This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia and welcome to episode 173 of the Half Measures Podcast. I'm joined, once again, by my friend and co-host, Mr. Porkenauer. You're looking a bit healthier this week, pal. Welcome back. Kia ora, Dan. It's good to be back. I uh, I feel like I've forgotten how to podcast. You know, we we, we missed a week and it's it feels like an eternity. When you podcast every week, it feels like an eternity when you miss one week, right? It's weird, eh? Because so we normally podcast on a Wednesday night, and I we delayed it to Thursday last week because of the illness. And I, I I've kind of I just felt like I had all this extra time. Uh, the week was it felt longer than usual. I yeah, it's, it's it really threw me. This is and this is a big thing for us, you know. Like we've we've podcasted pretty much every week since about episode three. Um, but yeah. once we we even make sure we've got episodes over the Christmas period. But um, you know health first here it's in our you know we've got a good in health and insurance policy here at the half measures podcast so yeah. we've got to look <laughs> after our people policy. it's a big policy i also have a day job as well and i i also called in i, I know we'll talk about that offline i called in sick for that that as well and i don't think i was i was getting people's attention you know i took they took three days off and then when it was announced there was no podcast then people were like oh okay serious this this is this is serious if Paul's mm. missing them because mm. you know this is where the big bucks come in this job and that's when they knew that's when they knew that it was real and it was but yeah the voice would not have been pleasant to listen to I don't know if it's pleasant to ever listen to but it's certainly back to normal at least well it's been 173 episodes I'm I'm just getting used to it so but I, I have missed it Paul so glad to have you back glad you are healthy what have you been watching this week well. I've started a number of shows, which is great. So I've got a few things cooking, but I have finished one series of a TV show. It's another Doctor Done. It's Doctor Who, series 10. And that means I've finished now the entire Peter Capaldi run as the as the Doctor. I'm now up to, to Jodie Whittaker, um, which will be my next Doctor. And so this is the final series for... For Peter Capaldi, who went out in style, I have to say, and um, it's so funny because I remember being on this this very podcast, Half Measures, about a year ago. <laughs> just in case you wonder which podcast, and I was reviewing my final Matt Smith series, and it just I remember like at the time because Matt Smith is you know he's my second favorite daughter. I I was like just gutted to go into this this new guy and he was old and you know scottish and not that there's a problem with being scottish but it's just different and, the, and i was like oh really is it going to be the same but he is just a really really terrific actor and i have come to truly appreciate him this was another great series of doctor who i think this is just the classic who experience right like and it's kind of natural right that there's a there's a change of actor so you're kind of like i don't like this it's not for me but then if they can kind of leave you after two seasons being like actually this is pretty good i think they, they've they've more than achieved what they set out to do 100 100 percent, and it's it's weird because it, yeah it does take a while but then 
then you're so sad when when that doctor leaves as well and it's the it's just that that ongoing that ongoing cycle and i think that peter capaldi has created a very unique doctor and uh, you know maybe he took longer to warm up to than some but he, he's right up there for me and there were some wonderful moments throughout this series they bring the first doctor in from you know, the, the original, you might say, uh, who was played by William Hartnell um, uh, back in the 60s. And he, in, in this, was played by David Bradley once again, who you and I saw play uh, as William Hartnell in the Doctor Who movie An Adventure in Space and Time that we reviewed with, with Trisha and Paddy from Time Travelling Team Podcast. And he was just great coming into this as well. So having the, the obviously it's a different actor, but you know, the idea of having the first doctor, the original with, with Peter Capaldi's doctor was just great. He really brought him to life, made him feel really authentic to my memory of that doctor and sort of that feel for who he was. They played on the fact that he was, you know, that original doctor was like a grandfather figure from a different era. So mm. his mannerisms and his values are very different to what you'd expect in a modern day world. Made for a lot of funny, if somewhat shaking your head, that's inappropriate moments um, as you went through it. There's the dialects, as you'd expect, the Cybermen, plus the doctor's um, biggest adversary, his sort of nemesis, if you like, the master, aka Missy. And they bring back an earlier. Uh, iteration of the master with that actor playing the the master which was good fun too so so yeah there was a lot of highs in this i still feel like i was talking to someone else about this at work just this week uh this and i got a reaction i feel like there's still a bit of a a stigma if you know what i mean with some people when you sort of say to them that you like doctor who but i tell you the, the the quality of the stories and the character relationships and that whole exploration of of the human existence through these really brilliant adventures and and the sort of questions that the show poses it's it's a very rich watch it's a very addictive watch and i've you know i've watched all 13 stories in record time because it feels like only a couple of weeks ago i was talking about the previous series which i don't normally watch them this quickly back to back so a really really good good series yeah, I think you're right. I think there's definitely uh, some strong camps, isn't there, of people that you know, you're either kind of a bit of a diehard fan um, or you're a bit kind of judgmental about Doctor Who. I don't know what it is about, because like, I I don't yeah. find that so much with, you know, like someone can like Star Wars or Star Trek or whatever, but it's Doctor Who I always feel is met with a different level of, of judgment. I think that's a good call. It went through a certain period during the 80s, and it's quite interesting because talking of Patty and Trisha, they're now currently into the 1980s reviewing you know one episode at a time and they're into the 1980s now and they're getting to the point where they've got that real 80s music and some of those things that are really and i think some of that came about in that era which of course is very close Mm -hmm. to my heart but it's um yeah i don't know what it is but um not everything this season did work and i mentioned last time uh matt lucas was coming in he did a career you know I would say a terrific job as as companion, but I never saw him as a character. For me, in the end, I was just watching it with, oh, the Doctor is traveling in his police box with Matt Lucas. That's how it sort of felt like. Um, Pearl Mackey came in uh, and played a character called Bill. She made it uh, a very it was a very brief sort of companion journey, but she was very interesting. And yeah, so to sort of, I guess, 
give it the the context in terms of i think the last time when i did series nine i, I sort of said that he'd he'd moved up into top five in my doctors out mm. of the 11 i've watched so far after colin baker uh, matt smith john pertwee patrick Troughton. and after this season i would go a step further i'm going to push him into fourth spot Ooh. ahead of patrick Troughton's second doctor so yeah that's 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 pretty good for me. Seeing him regenerate into Jodie Whittaker was was really good. It got me excited because I was like, oh, I'm finally, like I'm still not up to date, but I'm at least onto the most recent in terms of a full mm. se- series run. So, um, so yeah. So my final, uh, I made a note here. Hang on. Yes. Yeah, so if you do, you know, as I like to, if you want to sample just a few. Uh, my five episodes to dive into are called World Enough and Time, Oxygen, The Doctor Falls, Extremis, and my number one has to be Twice Upon a Time. So, yeah, so that's Doctor Who season 10 then. Very nice. And remind me again, Paul, where you're watching this? Prime Video. Amazing. Very good. That is uh, that is me. As I say, I've got a few other things we've kicked off, and I think some of them are going to be joint watches with you in the future, Dan, which I'm excited about. Um, but other than our two joint watches this week, that is me. So what have you been watching? All right. So um, I've watched a bit of an old movie this week. So, you know, recently in episode 169 of the Half Measures podcast, we had Jennifer Connelly as a peak performance. Yes. Um, and somehow this is a bit of a convoluted story so we had her as peak performance then i was reading a a reddit post uh, on weekend and it was like just talking about like movies that linger with you after you've watched them and the Mm -hmm. the movie that everyone kept talking about was requiem for a dream and i'm pretty sure well some people wrote in and talked to us about requiem for a dream if i'm i I was going to go back and check but being half measures i haven't gone back and checked to see who might have run them with um, Record for a Dream. So anyway, I, that is the movie I watched. It came out in, in 2000. I kind of obviously, like, this movie's never really been on my radar, to be honest, but I have seen the the poster. Um, it, I kind of went into it having already kind of known this is a movie that lingers with you. Kind of been like, oh, this this could be interesting. This movie, Paul, have you seen it before I go before I go deep into this? Uh, I was just going to say, firstly, I love that you think I would remember if someone had written in. You'd think I would, but I don't recall. And I just had a quick look through the uh, the inbox and did a word search and nothing came up. So no to your first question. To your second question, Dan, I don't think I have seen this movie. Okay, I don't no. think it's for you. But um, so Uh-oh. basically, so, so this is a, a Netflix movie. <laughs> And so it's by uh, Darren Aronofsky, um, which is he, – he's a fantastic director. Like, I think we've got to get him on peak performance. Um, you know, Black Swan, uh, The Wrestler, Rick Room for a Dream. So this movie, Paul – so first of all, like, it's old. Like, 2000 is an old movie. This is 23 years old. But this movie <clears throat> has two things going for it. One, the story is definitely super messed up. It's super dark. It has an absolute killer soundtrack, like killer. Like it's been stuck in my head for days afterwards. But the basic premise of this movie, and so I won't go too deep because if you want, if you do want to watch it, you kind of want to go on the journey. But it basically talks about drug addiction from different people's point of views. So one person sort of being on, um, I guess, you know, hard drugs, one person sort of on uh, 
diet pills as such and it's it's kind of got these four main characters and it kind of just focuses on the impacts on their lives what's going on their sense of reality and it's a movie that just kind of builds up its tempo like slowly until the very end where it's like the tempo's beating so fast that you're just like oh and it's the it's the soundtrack it's the way it's filmed it's the acting like the cast is absolutely stunning so um jennifer connelly for a starter absolutely incredible one of jared leto's like best performances uh marlon wayne's uh, incredible like it's just it's so so good i i had such a good time but I just, if you haven't seen this, it's also not a movie for everyone. Like, it is super dark. There is some super disturbing scenes in there, which, um, you know, Samara was telling me, she, she watched this movie in university for a film studies project. Mm-hmm. And she was saying it kind of like, again, sat with her for ages and was like some really disturbing scenes. And so I know, not for everyone, for me, coming in fresh, kind of been a little bit prepared for the the, the darkness or the linger. Um, I weirdly really enjoyed the movie. I would definitely watch it again. Um, and it's still, even now, like it's it's been probably oh, about 10 days since I watched it. Still sitting with me. Still thinking about it probably on a daily basis about how crazy it is. Amazing. Look how young Jared Leto is. He just, I mean, 23 years ago, can we make one thing clear though, Dan? And I am going to have to take exception here. And I don't often put my foot down, but I will here. When you come to this podcast and you say, I'll watch an old movie, I don't think you can follow that up with, this is from two days. I'm talking 1936. I'm talking 1958. I'm talking 60s, 70s max. <laughs> I was really excited that you were coming with a black and white movie. That being said, you have piqued my interest because I don't recall watching this movie at all and i'm looking through the images and i just did a quick rewatch of the trailer um it doesn't ring any bells at all but i do appreciate this is not for you as the comment because um i've got so much on my watch list i don't need to waste any time watching something that won't be for me i I guess when i say not for you like it's i like i don't want to like i it's nothing worse than someone says there's some like you know there's some real intense scenes in there but i like this is definitely not a movie it's definitely not one you watch with your parents it's definitely not one you watch with the kids around um you it's it's kind of like it's dark it's kind of it's gritty it is intentionally slow and builds up rapidly and by the end it's just it's so intense like you can you can kind of feel your, your heart beating throughout it but i think my number one thing above all of the film is like I think the direction incredible, but this, as I say, the soundtrack so so good. This is a movie that you can watch right now on Netflix. Um, and yeah, I just it couldn't have come at a better time because it was right after we had the peak performance on um, Jennifer Connelly. I definitely would have had this in for peak performance for her. Um, wow, just such an incredible role, incredible movie. Can't believe that it's not been on my radar at all. Uh, it's really you know rating exceptionally high has had a you know close to a million votes at 8.3 out of 10 i mean that does tell you something and of course as you mentioned director daronofsky um darren aronofsky sorry um does have sort of those i don't know what would you call it just sort of just on the edge sort of movies just Mm, pushing mm. the envelope just a little bit right i was in a, a store on the weekend i was trying to track down the um the lp uh, at a at a record store, and I just sort of got chatting to the the guy, and he was like, "Oh, 
that guy, he definitely makes some some pretty dark movies. Yeah. And he was sort of, you know, and we were just sort of reflecting on his sort of back catalogue. And he's dead right, and it's it's really got me. I wanted to go on a bit of a, as I say, a bit of a, a bender of some of those movies. But I do think it would have to be paced because I think there is a certain heaviness and darkness that kind of follows those movies. So it wouldn't be like, you know, yeah. a bunch in a row. But I'm, I'm very keen to sort of – and I've been thinking about it for a while. Like I really want to go back to Black Swan and check that out again. Um, but, yeah, this is a, this was a fantastic find. I'm glad I'm, I've now seen it. Um, it's definitely up there for me as a movie that, you know, I, you, I can understand why people talk about it. But I also mm. understand it's – it's a, it's also a difficult movie to recommend because it's, I think of the subject matter and some of the some of the stuff that happens in it is, is not for the faint-hearted, that's for sure. I always find it interesting when um, Dubey sort of says, "Oh, if you like this, you might like that," and it's suggesting for me, Memento, um, Stanley Kubrick's The Clockwork Orange, uh, and American History X, and it's kind of that gives a flavour mm, of where mm. it sort of sees this movie sitting. Oh, and The Shining as well. So there you go. Yeah, I've got the same. I've got uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, American Beauty, Memento, and A Clockwork Orange. So, mm. yeah, look, it's a, it's yeah, it's on Netflix. If you want to check it out, I'm sure. I'm I'm sure somebody wrote in and maybe talked about it, but um, who knows? Who knows? If, I might be if they did, then where where I've recorded it because I've just done a Gmail word search, you know, thinking if the words there, I must yeah, have spelt yeah. Requiem incorrectly, which is entirely likely. Yeah, so that is what I've been watching. But we have a, a joint watch for you this week, um, above and beyond our, our movie of the week. So Paul and I uh, have just watched the the final, well, part A of the final season of Fear the Walking Dead. So this is uh, season eight, part A, which is only actually six episodes. Uh, I thought it was... Uh, eight episodes, so I was very delighted when uh, the next episode didn't pay at number six. Paul, what do you think about this one? Well, this is the show that will change our podcast rating from, you know, safe for all to the, you know, when the podcast has the little E next to it, it means it's explicit. That's where the the worry is. So for regular listeners, uh, sort of strapping here we go. I um, <laughs> I uh, so context first. When this series started back in 2015, the first couple of seasons were okay, but they weren't as strong as The Walking Dead, which at that time was in peak mode. Right? It was you know it was the the Rick Grimes story, and it was it was really rocking. Then it picked up. Particularly for me, around season four, five, six, I thought those were very, very good, strong seasons. And I remember saying to you many times, this is now the flagship show for The Walking Dead. Of the eight seasons, then, thus far, I'm placing this season bottom of the pile. And as the as a season opener, by the way, that first episode, you know when you get into a new series, sorry, a new season of, of a series, and you're like, okay, here we go again. You're looking for something strong to get you hooked back in. I I was just absolutely horrified. And I do genuinely mean that you and I could have written a better story and a better script for this season opener. That's how bad that season opener was for me. And then 
I could say more, but I'll let you jump in. That's how I, that's my out of the gate feelings. I think, um, look, I'll, I'll try and keep, I'll, I'll try and not give us that explicit rating. <laughs> I feel like I, I, it's just the same old Walking Dead, you know, just messing it up every step of the way. And I think what we've got here is, it, it, I agree with you, like, when Fear first started, it kind of had an interesting concept. I think they've basically botched every character on the show, mm. largely, apart from uh, John, who was our favourite. Um, R.I.P. They completely misused Alicia. They killed off Nick way too soon. Cliff Curtis did the only honourable thing by jumping out of the helicopter. That's and right. <laughs> he did. And I, I just feel like the problem here with, and we're obviously going to get into spoilers, so... Um, well, we're doing you a favour by ripping this band <laughs> Who's off. watching this show? Who's, who's watching this? Who's watching this? So the fact that so we've got six episodes, we've got another six still to come. They've had a big time jump from the end of the previous season, season seven. So now I kind of feel a little bit confused about some of the sort of plot lines and where we're kind of at. I also don't really care enough to go away and sort of like do too much sort of research. They've obviously tried to keep sort of Morgan as a as a key focus. They've tried to sort of hype up um, this whole concept of Padre, and this is classic, like Walking the Dead, Walking Dead botching the landing. Is they tried to make Padre interesting, and they instantly made it uninteresting and forgettable, and just another villain of the week um, bad guy. They've brought back in uh, Madison as our as our main character. I, I couldn't feel more disconnected from her if yeah. I tried. Her relationship with Morgan feels forced. I don't even think she wanted to be there, to be honest. I think she was maybe kidnapped, put on the set. And I feel like then we've got other characters, which, you know, like Dwight and his partner and, and June. Again, it just kind of, it, none of it felt like it really mattered or really kind of was needed. And it just... It's a shame because the whole story kind of felt like, because of the big time jump, the time jump didn't serve any purpose to connect us back to the wider Walking Dead universe mm -hmm. until the very final minute of the last episode. And it just it just felt unnecessary. And I think I would have been happier if it, if it just finished at the previous season. I, I, I don't think so far this has done anything extra for me. It, it really hasn't. And it's so interesting you're – uh, commentary around uh, Madison, sort of saying that they must have, you know, kidnapped Kim Dickens and got her back on the set and said, "Look, I mean, maybe she was contracted in, maybe she was out of work because because she's a good actress and we've seen her a couple, uh, across a couple of different TV shows and she's she's good, but like you said, <laughs> just what have they done? They've written her character horribly. You know, Madison is back." And that should be a good thing for us because this is someone who was there from day one and and was the lead then and is back in the joint lead role alongside Morgan now, but just just no good. Um, when Daniel showed up, um, I was like, oh, thank goodness! It's like it's like when you're watching your your favourite football team and they're missing a few players through injury, and then you see a star come back from a long term injury, and you're like, oh, thank goodness they're back because Daniel is. Um, just one of those characters who I just I always enjoy what he brings to the mix. I I think uh, Ruben Blades is, is a great actor, and so that was a positive. But beyond that, 
like you said, there's the Madison situation. This series, as you've indicated, has lost so many good characters, some a long time ago, admittedly, but some quite recently. And I'm sorry, but this season, other than Morgan, and even he was poorly written at times. So Morgan, June, and Daniel, and Dwight, who wasn't given much to work with, I guess. That was that was all I had in terms of investment. We've lost, as you said, John Dory, Alicia, Nick, you know, Luciana, Victor Strand, he, you know, um, L. Um, uh, what was Cliff Curtis's name? What was it? Travis? Uh, Travis. Know. Yep. Yeah, I mean, kia to him for jumping out the helicopter. Ophelia. Yep. Any number of these characters would have been welcome this season. Instead, we're left with two to three that I'm interested in watching and what happens to them. And my question to you, Dan, is, and I know they won't, but let's just let's, let's be optimistic. How can they save this season? Because we've still got season eight, part B. How can they save this season and ultimately this series with you know without bringing in Rick Grimes because that's cheating? How do they save this season? I think they just remove it from streaming platforms and pretend it never happened. <laughs> like I, like I just, I I honestly don't even know if they can, and I think. It's as you were talking. It just reminded me of three frustrating things, um, and and I'll just I'll, I'll talk about those while I think about what the answer to your question is. So, number one, so Madison's walking around with a a foam sledgehammer, <laughs> yes, she is, and that right. killed me. Like because it's like she's got this big heavy sledgehammer, which at times seems to sort of obey the the rules of physics. It's bending, yeah, and other times it's just kind of like bobbing around on her belt like it's no thing at all, like. Have you ever like built something with your dad when you were a kid, and you like put a hammer and like your your belt or something? It's just about pulling your pants down. But she's walking around with a sledgehammer. <laughs> like the, the, it reminds me thing. of. Do you remember? Did you ever Timmy Mallet and Wackaday? Like he had that big foam mallet. That, if anyone's seen that character, that guy, that's what he's you're walking around with this big foam mallet. <laughs> and then I think so. I'm I'm going to do these in reverse order. So you know, at the end with the Dwight and Sherry storyline, and Dwight's like. I think we're done. We're done here. Like, and he basically breaks up with Sherry. I was like, that's, oh. how, I th- that's how I feel about this Walking Dead series. I'm like, I'm done here. I'm literally done. Like, this is, there's nothing left for us. There's just unhappiness. Whenever we look at each other, unhappy. But I think the the one that really got me is I feel like kind of they, they brought Morgan in to be the lifeblood of the show, I think, which ultimately pushed Alicia to the side. And I can't believe, Paul... I can't believe it, but like I just feel like we've had this like broken Morgan storyline so yeah. many times on The Walking Too Dead much. and on Fear the Walking Dead, and it's like just to literally have to go through all of that again. It's like it's too much, Paul. It's too much. The, the breakup was horrific, and I just I feel like you know even bringing it like like it's obviously like Daniel was a great character but i feel like with that 7 year time jump these characters look healthier and better than ever most of these yes. characters were you know suffering from sort of dementia and various illnesses and getting old but now with the 7 year time jump they're healthier than ever like i just feel like i don't even i don't even think the writers truly know what they're doing and i, I feel like they're really making a bit of a a b grade tv series which is unfortunate because, you know, like we've always said, like there's, there's goodness in there, but I think 
instead of really connecting us back to the core of the story and even not being Rick, I think the problem is is they keep bringing in new new baddies and they're just not interesting. I would much rather kind of see them making their way to Hilltop or Alexandria to sort of connect with the wider group than just have them like, like they've had Padre kind of running through as a theme for several seasons now and just mm-hmm. to kind of have it be revealed as a as a throwaway Wizard of Oz plot is it's crazy <laughs> it is it is crazy the oh, there's a number of things you've said there to pick up on the firstly that the manner of dwight and sherry's breakup was the most forced thing like obviously one of them wants to leave the show or they just deliberately want these characters to go in different and they were just it was kind of like it was 10 to 5 in the writer's room and they were like look we got to get this done because it's happy hour in 10 go and that was it it was just it, it, it's it's an insult to the name of the this universe uh, because as we often say peak walking dead is one of the greatest television shows that we've ever watched and so a fall from grace is is just is just unbelievable there were some good moments in this season there were some good moments um but those moments did not add up to to enough for me and i think uh yeah, I, I don't know how they're going to turn this around. Like you sort of said, it, there was some things in the last couple of minutes that was kind of exciting, and they mentioned some character names, which is exciting. But it's 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 um, it's trying to sort of throw crumbs to the audience, and it's it's not enough. And the time jump, like you say, yes, they're looking better than ever, but also why why did we need to do that? We haven't gained anything from doing that, really. And um, also, when we were watching it, we were like, "Why, why are we always in like bad condition? Like, why are we living in a swamp where you have to go from place to place via boat or like quicksand? Or like, can we just find dry land? You know, they were in dry land before. Why are we here? I mean, it's too much." Why do we have to have a zombie head on like a machine that like slowly goes towards someone? Asked that question. I was like, it looks. I mean, it looks like it's got headphones on and it's just biting. I, I feel like it's this like nineteen sixty six Batman. Like, why is this kind of like a slow kind of like kill shot of a of a zombie slowly being kind of brought in? I, I think you're exactly right. And why do we have to have these bad guys with these bad guys? I, it's probably not quite the right word, but like you know, we've got these these kids running around the forest with these like fencing masks on. Like, it's like you know, you're in this post-apocalyptic world. You come across a bunch of junk, so they come across like a you hear some fencing supplies. We'll all wear these these like mesh masks, which will be as good as useless, yep. like fighting zombies. It's just like I don't know, Paul. I just it was a hard watch. Like I'm with you that there was a couple of moments where I was like, oh, this could be okay, but. In general, I've either seen it before or I didn't care or it just kind of felt a bit meaningless. And it's it's a, it's a shame because I know I'm going to have to now, I'm going to have to watch The Walking Dead, New York. I'm going to have to watch um, Bonjour, it's Daryl Dixon in France. <laughs> Bonjour, I'm gonna... it's Daryl Dixon in France. <laughs> That's the title they should have gone with. What were they thinking? What a wasted opportunity. And it's like I really, I just... I really hope that, like, is it because all of the writing talent has gone to these new shows? Like, I just, yeah. I, I just can't keep having these like mediocre experiences. Like, it's, 
it feels like it's just eating eating away at me like it's yeah yeah and I, and i feel like just to cuz just to if we haven't already made it clear the likes of lenny james Kim Dickens, uh, Jenna Elfman, who plays June, I think is exceptional as well, uh, and and also Ruben Blaze. I mentioned these are these are decent, very decent actors and actresses, and I feel like they are just not they're just not getting the stuff. And I'll tell you what, at this point, I do feel like bring on Walking Dead, Dead City, uh, which you know has now started streaming here in New Zealand on TVNZ on uh, TVNZ Plus. Um, and I just feel like at least I know two main characters in that, and generally those two characters are good. And I actually feel that this show's got me excited about that show, which is a very odd thing to say. Mm-hmm. Look, we'll, we'll definitely check it out, but it's I feel like the the thread that's kind of keeping us attached to this is getting thinner and thinner. Um, I, I I hope this I hope there's there's some good around the corner. I don't know what they're going to do with these last six episodes. I just feel like I've lost all empathy for any characters on the show. So, um, and as you say, it's unfortunate because I actually think they've they've had a great cast. They've got great actors. I just, I just don't know what they're doing from a writing point of view. That is Fear the Walking Dead season eight, part A, available in New Zealand on Neon. And please do drop us a line at halfmeasurespodcast.com if you know how the AMC writing staff can save this series with season eight part b <laughs> paul should we jump into our movie of the week yes that would be a great idea i think um so we managed to keep it non-explicit which is a bonus um every week dan and i take it in turns choose a movie we then announce what that movie will be a week in advance in our discord community which you can join if you'd like by clicking on the link in the show notes you'll find out what we're watching and then watch along with us for our review the following week obviously this week we've had a little bit of an extra time with our no pod last week but it is the fourth of five indiana jones movies and this is the 2008 installation the kingdom of the crystal skull which uh is the longest movie title ever for indiana jones I'll tell you, Paul, I originally thought this was just called Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. I didn't even know the word kingdom was in there <laughs> until until I started watching it. I was like, oh, there's actually a full title. I feel like that would work, actually, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. I think that, like, it, it's just, it's not just that there's lots of words in there. They're quite big, almost, I don't know what the word is, complex words, you know, kingdom mm-hmm. of the Crystal mm-hmm. Skull. It's quite, it is quite a, a mouthful, but there we go. This is 1957. Um, so obviously with The Last Crusade having been filmed in 89, we're, we're sort of, you know, nearly 30 years later. So Indy's older. We've moved forward in time to 1957 and he gets entangled into a, a Soviet plot to uncover the secret behind this mysterious artifact known as Crystal Skull. I'll tell you, Paul, I came into this movie with a bad attitude. I, from the start of watching these um, Indiana Jones movies, I was like, remember I said to you, I'm like, oh, do we have to watch the the Crystal Skull one? And <laughs> I'll tell you, I actually had a really great time with this movie. And I think it might be because I've only seen it, I think once before. Right. Um, I think because I've got the recency of the other Indiana Jones movies, like it's still got some, some quirks to it. Like it's still, it most of the time feels like it's a giant Disney ride. Um, it's got some, you know, some some quirky character moments, but overall, I actually i I kind of really enjoyed it. It, it was 
it's like it's it's still not the best one, but I I had a much better time. How how did you find this one? Yeah, no, I I think that view checks out because, and I to be fair to myself, <laughs> I enjoyed it right from the start when I saw it for the very first time. And I walked out of the cinema, and there was a lot of people who had issues with where the story had gone with the aliens and and sort of saying that it was out of kilter with the rest of Indiana Jones and and for me, you know, um, how do I say this? I guess the idea of an alien crystal skull is at that same level of a MacGuffin that, um, you know, that George Lucas always inserts into his movie is at the same level of a thing as um, a temple of doom as the, the cup of Christ here, all of these things for me sit at a level, which I'm prepared to accept in the context of a movie makes a good thing to go after. So I didn't have that problem. And I think there are some things that don't work so well and we can sort of get into that, but overall, I I enjoy this movie, and if you were to say to me, you know, right now I had to go away and watch one of the movies again, I'd go back and watch this one again because, like you, I haven't seen it as many times, and I think I think it just got such a bad rap that it's it's actually a better movie than you expect. Mm-hmm. I think too, it, it's obviously the until the the very latest movie, uh, which we'll review next week. It's it is obviously the most the most modern, and so you've got kind of the the benefit of better technology, better effects. Like it still feels very much like a a Disney Indiana Jones movie. Like it feels a little bit green screen. It feels like a lot of the the props are kind of a little bit over the top. Um, but yeah, I I didn't fine because i think i found the same thing the first time i watched it i was kind of like oh it's this alien sort of business it didn't didn't feel um as connected to the other movies but yeah this time i felt like i had no problem with it i felt like it kind of worked quite well as a story i think it again it's probably just a recency but i felt much more connected to um uh marion ravenwood's character this time obviously because we're, we're, we're so familiar with her, I kind of got a bit of a better understanding of um, Shire's character in this as well and, and kind of mm-hmm. ultimately being uh, Indy's son. There's some quirky moments, that's for sure. Like, Paul, if I said to you, let's go to South America right now, would you take me and my motorbike uh, on that trip or would you just take me? It would make sense to take your motorbike down because obviously I've seen enough movies to know that you'd need a motorbike there. But no, you're absolutely right. What, what was up with that? Uh, it's it, it was probably my biggest like just uh, really just I don't know it was one of those things in the movie that just kind of stuck with me I was like why is it why are they taking the bike is the bike going to be a feature in this whole movie and it and it just wasn't and it just it was so funny to me that they were like I'm definitely bringing my bike yeah there's there's a lot of things that um I think rewatch value work with this movie and the first thing I noticed is and this is going to sound odd but how young Harrison Ford is. And the reason I say that is because I remember at the time in 2008 when this came out, people were like, oh, you know, he's too old to play Indiana Jones again. And of course, when you watch this movie after the first three, he does seem older. But of course, we've seen him quite recently in, you know, The Force Awakens, The Rise of Skywalker, and 1923, other things that he's been sort of featured in and seen on. We know what he looks like today. So seeing him, you know, back 15 odd years ago he he looks much younger and so that's quite interesting as well because actually it was he was perfectly fine at this age to play indiana jones and and so that that for me was quite an interesting thing to realize what 
what I would say didn't work for me from a casting point of view. And this is an actress who I think is terrific. Kate Blanchett, I don't think perhaps was, I don't know if her character wasn't written well or if it just wasn't a good fit, but I, I really, really like her as an actress, but I just don't know that in the role of the villain that her character quite worked. What about you? Yeah, no, I agree. That was definitely one thing that stood out to me. And it kind of felt to me, it's kind of of the era, which we're not talking that long ago, where it was just kind of okay to have anybody playing any nationality and kind of that, I'm playing the sort of slapstick Russian or German role. And that's kind of what it felt like a little bit. And I think kind of made worse with that, that terrible wig that she's wearing. Yes. Flip side, and we talked about this in the previous three movies, you know, sort of with Indy going from, from Marion to Willie to Marion, having Karen Allen back as Marion and having, again, with her being older than she was in, you know, when we last saw her and, and now having had a son and all that, having that dynamic come back to the table was kind of reminiscent for me because it's Harrison Ford of, of her, you know, kind of him with uh, Princess Leia with Carrie Fisher. It's kind of that sort of dynamic revisiting it years later. Um, I really enjoyed that dynamic back on screen again. And I absolutely loved seeing uh, John Hurt as Professor Oxley, um, a, a, an absolutely fantastic actor and great to have him back one more time. Yeah, I think I think, again, what's kind of been great about these movies is I think in watching them in such close succession to to one another is they've really – you just forget about this when you watch these movies like years and years apart, but I actually think they do quite a good job at like padding out Harrison Ford or Indiana Jones kind of like his his career not only as an archaeologist, but he spent this time in the military. Uh, he, he became a colonel. He's been here, here, and here. He's been involved in these various different incidents. I thought mm. they did a they did a pretty good job at – I think just sort of telling quite a, a complete story with him. I think it's what's interesting is like, I think the potential, which they were obviously sort of sending up for Shia LaBeouf to, to sort of take over the role and obviously things went a bit of a different way. And his character was kind of interesting and unlikable at the same time, but he kind of grew on you with a little bit of Indiana charm at the same time. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting because of course we sort of, we know what has happened in real life. And so um, you sort of, you come back to this movie and revisit it with that knowledge. Cause at this point in 2008, of course, Charlie Booth is, is, is everywhere. He's, he's, he's like a real major star. He's, you know, I always, always rated him in Transformers that first movie. I thought he was fantastic. And it's interesting. Cause I actually thought his, his dynamic was okay in the movie as well. And, you know, alongside um, Ray Winstone, um, Jim Broadbent, you know, I thought most of the casting decisions here really, really worked quite well, including having um, Alan Dale come in um, as um, General Ross, a Kiwi actor who mm -hmm. most people probably know as Jim Robinson from Neighbours. And he did that great job of padding out Indy's, you know, his back catalogue. But I thought all of the casting decisions generally worked well. I thought the writing worked well. Why? What I did notice with this movie in a modern context is, and this is, you know, dangerous territory, but I'll go there. I feel like Steven Spielberg in an action movie directing, I feel like there's a time and a place where perhaps it 
didn't quite live up to the the action scenes in this movie didn't quite leave me as they're just not as memorable as mm. Lost Ark. They're not as memorable as Temple of Doom. And and I felt like the expectation with a modern movie, you know, 2008, and I don't know that, you know, because Spielberg still delivers quality movies, but I don't know in a modern world if Spielberg is quite delivering the same thing that he was delivering throughout the 70s, 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that's a fair call. Like it's, this movie's still a little, like, you know, considering, you know, 2008 like what are we 10 12 we're about what 15 15 ish years ago um mm. like it still doesn't hold up that well when you think about uh you know when you think about the matrix right coming out and yeah uh, you know like it's it's nowhere near to that standard but it's i think in an indiana jones context s- still kind of works it's definitely I, I, if I was going to have to sit down and and watch a movie, I would still probably go for the Last Crusade. Is probably my my oh, yeah. Yeah. my peak enjoyable one. Um, but yeah, I, I think the, the big takeaway for me with this is it wasn't as bad as I remembered it. <laughs> yeah. That being said, Dan, and I know we're ranking them as we go. It is for me going to come in currently in last place. So my order would from from first place to last would be Last Crusade. Red as the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom, and then Crystal Skull. So that would mm-hmm. be my my where I rank it. But as we've sort of discussed, that is not to say that this is a bad movie. It's just that those first three for me are, are, are just quite quite league of their own. I would probably put this as my my second to last. So yep. um, so same order as you, but just I would put probably Temple as my my fourth. As your fourth? Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. I like that we're a little out of sync. That's good. So it'll be interesting to see how we feel next week with the final fifth movie, Dial of Destiny, um, to see how that fits in amongst this mix and what what our views are, you know, relative to to this movie. Because um, it's it's so odd, isn't it? Because for so long this has been the final Indiana Jones movie and no longer. I can't wait to discuss Paul. It's going to be good. Um, there's it's you know if people thought indiana jones was too old in 2008 then yeah 2023 is going to have a whole a whole lot of new stuff coming so yeah i look forward to discussing that one next week what do you what do you give this on the on the guns of kimbo paul that's probably a a pertinent question yeah do you know what i'm still going to go with a three guns on that because i there's enough in here for me to enjoy and i would re-watch this movie quite willingly again i would go three guns you yeah, I would probably, I would probably go two and a half guns for me. Two and a half, that's fair. Two and a half, yeah, yep. So it's sort of in that in that middle category. Like, it was good. It was good to kind of round out the series. Um, but yeah, well, Paul, big question for you: What is your pick of the week? Doctor Who. No question Doctor for who? me. It was really solid season and a great finale for. For Peter Capaldi, my my hope is that he, his doctor, returns at some point, either in the 60th anniversary that will be celebrated in November this year, or at some point beyond that. I don't know, but um, yeah, definitely, definitely a, a standout for me. That's my pick of the week. What about you? I think mine would have to be uh, Requiem for a Dream. Uh, yep. Just caught me by surprise. So so good. Um, I just realised, Paul. Um, just to really mess up the flow of the podcast, we didn't talk about that very final minute of Fear the Walking Dead. Yeah, so 
I mean, I, I guess so. So here we go. Spoilers again for anyone who's listening, anyone who's watching. <laughs> I don't know who's watching. Um, who who is that? Who do we see in that final scene? And who do, who who are you thinking that is? Well, so so just to sort of set the, set the scene for this. So with Morgan, like I kind of got a little bit of a a chill down my spine, a little bit of the goosebumps when Morgan's like, "I'm going to leave a message at the start of each day." Rick Grimes, this is for you. I was like, "Yes, Rick Grimes!" But then it was kind of it was met with bittersweet emotions because I was like, "I don't want to see you go on a search for Rick Grimes. Like, don't bring him down. I don't want to. I don't want to go on another Morgan kind of like the ups and downs." So it's it was. The, um, sorry, carry on then. I've interrupted you again. No, 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 no. I was just. I was just. I think it was the another and you you said this in the review it's like the another the prince that was promised of oh well, rick grimes is coming and so it kind of gets you excited but then you you know you've got to kind of put it in the context of um all the other fires around the place at the same time yeah so we've got for me it's the um we see what's his name victor's sunglasses and alicia's arm so, or her, what was it like? A you know, her, the 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 bone. Yeah, arm. the bone. And arm. so, yep. I I'm I'm presuming we're we're looking at Victor here, and yet uh, there's two people here as well. I think there's a second person, if, if unless I've misread the scene. I don't even care. Like, I <laughs> 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 you know, like you, you know, back in the day. I, I love to speculate about TV shows like, you know, particularly Star Wars, The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones. And I just feel like when they've worn me down this much, like it's probably some unknown random character. Like we would like to think it's a main character that we've already seen before, but let's be honest, it's probably not. It's probably another made up person that they haven't even created yet. Most of the things that I've sort of, like when I dived in after the finale and sort of had a read, a lot of people sort of point towards, uh, what's his name, uh, Troy. But if it is Troy, that's just not of any excitement to me at all. It's like you, you may as well you may as well bring in Ric Flair for all I care. That would be amazing. I would definitely watch it if they brought in Ric Flair. That would be <laughs> that's a villain, you know. That would that would bring the hype, right? Indeed, indeed. Paul, shall I take us over to the news desk? Yes. What's going on in the world of The Walking Dead, Dan? What news have you got for us? <laughs> I actually do have some Walking Dead news for you. Oh, I, I might as well start with that. So the um, the Rick and Michonne um, spin-off series has officially got its new title. Can you guess what that is, Paul? Tell me it's similar to Bonjour, it's Daryl Dixon in France. It's not that good. It's just called Rick and Michonne. <laughs> well, see, I don't, I'm not surprised because I, and I have a real issue with series doing this i've talked about it many times i talked yeah. about picard i don't like picard being called that i don't like solo being called solo it, it doesn't surprise me but i don't like it already Let, let's workshop it paul what could it be so rick is you know he's been missing for a long time uh, michonne's on the hunt now um everyone else is looking for rick as well hide and seek with rick and michonne the hunt for the democracy the this is not a democracy Mm, mm, uh, it's interesting the walking dead rick and michonne i understand why they've done it because they want to get people's attention by saying here are the characters who are in it because anyone who sort of sees 
the world beyond or sees dead city or sees tales of the walking dead. They've got no idea what characters they're in for, but with this show, you know, instantly just like bonjour Daryl Dixon in France. I bonjour Daryl Dixon in France is the greatest. I, I, I really wish that they would adapt that. That's, that's quality. That's a quality title. I, I was trying to think what's the New York equivalent for Maggie and Negan. Are you um, going? Are you doing? It's good. It's good. All right. Uh, what else have we got here on the news desk? So uh, a little bit of Superman news. I believe you shared this in our Discord channel. So mm. um, James Gunn has officially announced his new um, Lois and Clark. So we've got David Corin Sweat, who's going to play. Uh, the Man of Steel, Superman himself, and Rachel Brosnahan, who's going to play Lois Lane. How are you feeling about this, Paul? Well, Rachel Brosnahan I've seen in House of Cards, and I thought she was very, very good in that. And I know she's been uh, really highly rated in that, um, was it Miss Maisel series? But I haven't seen it. So I, I know she's a good actress, and so I think that's a solid um, casting decision. I really can't comment on... The, the casting of, of Superman Clark Kent because, and, and I looked through his entire back catalogue, have not heard the name before, have not seen anything he's in. So this is a complete unknown for me. I kind of love this though, right? Because this is the same, this is like 007 type casting. It's like you want someone who kind of comes from nowhere and like obviously, you know, the the big thing that people are saying online is, is he kind of like bulked up enough to play Superman, but there's some photos floating around of Henry Cavell when he was first cast as Superman, and he, he had a similar physique to this guy, and now look at him, he's he's a beast. Well, Daniel Craig wasn't necessarily overly, you know, if you think about him in Layer Cake or, or um, Road mm-hmm. to Perdition and with the blonde hair, you know, there was a lot of people that doubted him, and he came in and did a, just a sensational job. So, so I, you know, I... Yes, I know I'm still bitter about how they they promised Henry one more and then they took it away and but that's that that's in the past. I'm I have no sort of ill will or anything towards this 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 new guy. So I'm mm-hmm. uh, I'm excited to see what comes of it because at the end of the day, you know, I've talked about how I don't really get into the Marvel characters as much. I am in essence a Superman and Batman fan and so um so of course i want this to to work mm-hmm. you're gonna to have to come to terms with your james gunn feelings but um, i'm sure there's time for that to happen so um <laughs> the other only couple of bits of news on the news yesterday so uh daniel kalu has got a movie coming out uh the barney movie and so this is the i love you you love me the big um pink or purple dinosaur and apparently it's going to be a, a bit of a a darker, surrealistic movie, more targeted adults, and kind of the impact that Barney had on that generation of youth growing up and becoming adults. So that feels like it's probably going to be a, a dark and slightly sort of arty type flick. It, look, it sounds interesting. I'm I'm intrigued. Watch this space. Watch this space. Um, Greta Gerwig, who um, is about to release her Barbie movie, um, is apparently going to write and direct two Narnia movies for Netflix. Wow. Two. Mm. Two. Indeed, indeed. I feel like it'll be interesting. I don't know if it's going to be, is it going to be a reboot? Are we sort of continuing the storyline? I feel like it's probably right for a reboot, I would imagine. Um, Who knows? Mm. Uh, And then last bit of news for me. 
So um, we know that there's a, another Alien movie in the works, and that has finally finished filming. So they'll obviously be on to um, post-production and things like that, but it means their next Alien movie is closer than ever. Paul, I know you're excited. Any news on your end? Yeah, well, the Alien news does excite me, but I will continue to beat the drum, which is where is the, where is the, the finale of that prequel the tv series Noah Hawley's tv series is probably the one which I'm probably getting the most excited about but um but yeah so what else have I got for you Dan this week news was I feel like I did have a couple of things oh the so the Gattaca reboot series that we were sort of talking about offline and getting excited mm-hmm. about that has now been dropped that's a real shame because we just mentioned Gattaca recently with the Uma Thurman peak performance, and that was something I was quite looking forward to, but um, not meant to be, I guess. Not meant to be. Um, the other story you've picked up on already, obviously, with the Superman casting. So, no, that is me this week, Dan. I'll flick over quickly to what we've got here in the mailbag. Firstly, the, the award-winning writer of Shetland, and Vera and many other hit shows, and Cleves herself, she retweeted our review of Shetland. Um, And Dan, we've said this before, you can always guarantee you're going to get the writer involved or the director involved or someone, you know, right at the core of a show. And, you know, the writer themselves, the creator of the author, whenever I give a less than favorable review of something, it's like it's the universe is like, that's definitely getting the retweet. Well, I almost feel like, and I don't want to jinx us, we're guaranteed to get a like from one of those people from Fear the Walking Dead. I almost guarantee it. I, I know. I remember last time, funny, I do remember um, Norman Reedus, who plays Daryl Dixon. I remember him liking Bonjour. our post. Yeah. <laughs> sure, Daryl Dixon. Um, yeah. So, like, love, love the support, but also always. Um, a terrifying moment we did tag in um to our review of the flash sir michael keaton uh both on instagram and twitter but he has yet to like or retweet but i will monitor that situation and update if this changes of course do you think he knows how to like or retweet he's batman there's absolutely okay, nothing true. he can't do true. um what else have we got here so um i mentioned uh we had a, a new listener uh ian kelly who um was on his way to Miami. No, no word yet if he's if he's made it uh, to Miami yet. But he's he's now catching up, and he reckons he will be live with our podcast episodes by the end of the month, which is awesome. He says he's had a look on the website as well, but he cannot see that we've reviewed the Expanse, and he says we definitely should. It's definitely one of his favorite sci-fi shows of the last few years. And he's quite correct. It's not on our TV series list on the website. We haven't reviewed it. Have you watched that, Dan? Do you know, I've watched the first season. Um, and, it, and it was, it's it's very good. I just have never got back to it. I, to be honest with you, I'd probably have to go back and watch that first season again. It's been such a long time. But I, I hear nothing but favorable um, reviews for that show. Yeah, same. It's like, it's one of those things. It's one of those shows like, for example, 24, for example, that I never got around to watching and everyone else was, was, was talking about. So, um, appreciate, um, appreciate you catching up Ian 
and look forward to having you live on the most recent episodes and we'll have to keep the expanse on the watch list because yeah it's one of those shows that just seem to have passed me by so um so yeah so that's that where was i um oh yeah and then our last our last peak performance was michelle rodriguez and we had a few suggestions sarah from wellington went with letty fast and furious uh high five to bruce gray from scotland because he went with her performance as Reino Campo in, and I quote, the criminally underrated Resident Evil. So I love to see Bruce agreeing with my peak performance. Michael from North Carolina uh, gave honorable mention also to Fast and Furious, and peak performance is a movie called Girl Fight, which I haven't seen. And then finally, Paddy, Time Traveling Team Podcast, 321 for him of Machete. Resident Evil and the peak performance was the most recent movie Dungeons and Dragons. That's the mailbag then. Very good shouts. Please do write in if you have uh, any peak performance recommendations for us. Speaking of peak performance, uh, each week Paul and I take turns choosing a different actor, actress, director, producer, etc. And we provide their what we think are their their peak performance. This week, Paul, um, we are looking at Keith Sutherland. What have you got for me? Yeah, so this one um, was a. I think it, I think it came up as a um, a side comment from Paddy around um, phone booth when we were mm. looking at um, Colin, uh, Colin Farrell, and um, so we sort of thought let's let's throw him into the mix. There's a lot of things in there, and, and I did sort of quite deliberately preface this by saying I've never watched Twenty Four because I know that's that's a very popular show and there'll probably be a lot of people shouting at me for not including that that's the reason why um for me my honorable mention is 1990s flatliners um goes back a long way and i know that there has been a a a remake that he also stars in as well but i remember watching this you know as a as a young teenager and it was just a lot of fun to be watching, you know, with with with, with schoolmates and the like. The type of that just felt a real classic, you know, nineteen ninety, a real classic early nineties movie. It really was just on that verge of a bit eighties, and it was great. And this was back when Joel Schumacher, of course, made you know made a good movie before he got given the keys to the Batcave. But I digress. So that's my um, that's my honorable mention. Great fun that movie and peak performance though for me is as Tom Kirkman in 2016's short-lived designated Survivor. So this this was a show that was cancelled too soon for me, but it got cancelled and then picked up by Netflix, so they cancelled it after two seasons and Netflix gave a third season. But even so, I felt like this was a show that should have really had way more legs than it, than it got. I, um, I absolutely love the premise you know how some shows can just get you right in with a really great hook this was one of those ones where you know he was he he was so far down the the pecking order you know real low level cabinet minister and everyone gets blown up and so suddenly by default he gets made president and just a, a really unique idea you know of, of what could happen when someone who's never likely to become president does get made president and who better than than Kiefer Sutherland, who really, he plays that sort of understated role, but his confidence comes through and he's just got that wonderful voice that just sounds so presidential. So um, so for me, that was a definite peak performance for me. What about you, Dan? 
So for me, um, I'm pretty sure I've talked about this movie previously, but sometimes, you know, my memory isn't what it used to be, Paul. So, you know, who knows? Who knows whether I have or haven't? But my my honourable mention is the 1993 movie, The Three Musketeers. And it's not because this is necessarily the greatest movie of all time. I'm just a huge sucker for The Musketeers, and I have been all my life. And... I remember going to see this movie with my grandmother. I remember the Brian Adams like banger song that came out with this movie. And if you just when you look at the cast, Keith Sutherland, Charlie Sheen, Chris O'Donnell, Oliver Platt, <laughs> like Tim Curry, like like what a what a cast of misfits. But um Keith Sutherland in his role as Athos, he sort of got the I would say the starring role as um one of the musketeers. And it's just such a it's a movie I hold with such fond regard and I don't think I could go back and rewatch it because I don't want to ruin the memory. But in my yeah, mind, yeah. like it's it's just got all the goodness. Like I think going to see it with my grandma, like just the that's pretty awesome in itself. Going going to the cinema with your grandma to be able to watch a movie, yeah, yeah. It's, that's wonderful. And I remember like wanting to read the books afterwards, and I've just always loved the Musketeers afterwards. So it's an easy honourable mention for me. Um, but my peak performance is actually going to be for. Uh, Keith Sutherland's role in 24 as Jack Bauer. And look, I'm, I love 24. Like this, honestly, show hooked me like no other. And I think the prop, the, the problem with this show is I now think of Keith Sutherland as Jack Bauer and I cannot, I, I can't have him. Like I, I can't even watch Designated Survivor. I just tried to watch his new show, um, Rabbit Hole. And I, I need, Keith Sutherland to be at like a level nine anger at all times, or I I just it, it's not enough for me. And I just think in twenty four, like there's a lot of seasons. Like it so it would be a big commitment to go through. But I I just feel like it was the first TV show from from my perspective that really brought in the the like it made TV awesome. It brought in the twists, the turns. It completely changed the dynamic from movies. It kind of, they took the time to kind of introduce you to the characters. There was so many plot twists. Everything about it, I absolutely loved. Sign me up for a 24 reboot, Paul, but it's got to be with Keith Sutherland and just such a great show. I... I just I can't speak highly enough about it. It's so good. It would be it'd be a great lockdown show to be honest, because um, you need a lot of time to get through it. Certainly do. And didn't they do a reboot? Or am I dreaming? Like, like wasn't there yeah, something? Did. Or they did. One of our friends from The Walking Dead left The Walking Dead to go and um and do the reboot. But I think they only did one season. Uh, but there is there is talk oh, of live Keith coming day. back. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. There is there is talk of uh, Keith coming back to do some form of reboot. I don't think it would be like because twenty four was obviously there was an episode for each hour of the day, and so I don't like I don't think a twenty four episode TV show kind of works in modern times. But mm. I think the the honestly, it's so good. I who knows whether it stacks up, but back in in two thousand and one to two thousand and ten, what a time to be alive! It's interesting because Live Another Day, the the, the follow up sequel, I just look gets really great ratings too, eight point three out of ten. It's and so I don't know. I would not be surprised to see him potentially return if given the right offer. But um, it doesn't surprise me that you have your peak performance. I think 
it's an obvious one to to go for if you've seen the show because I it is one of those universal shows that every person I've spoken to has had nothing but positive things to say. And again, I'm not quite sure how it passed me by, but there we go. I think actually, if I'm honest, when I think about it, because I I left, I was living in Canada and I'm and returned to the UK briefly and then moved to New Zealand. So within the space of when this series came out for the sort of first season and a half, I was leaving one country, moving back, you know, home, so to speak, back at the time in England, and then moving over here. I think I was just in transition and I, it, it was back in the day where there was no on-demand type service and mm-hmm. so I was too far behind. I think that's my excuse. I, I think too, like, I didn't watch this when it first came out. Like, I maybe started watching it a few years later and so um, I actually brought these as, like, box sets from Amazon and kind of was able to kind of, like, binge them and it was just – it was so good. It was such. It was my first real TV binge, and it just again holds fond memories. But I do wonder if it was a little bit of a of a success because of the time. Like you've got to think, like it's two thousand and one. Uh, we've got nine eleven. Like obviously, the show's heavily focused around um, terrorism and kind of um, the American sort of response to that. And I, I, I like would that work in in twenty twenty three? Not too sure. But back then. Great. Groundbreaking. Very good, Dan. Mm. Very good. So, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of another episode of the Half Measures podcast. It does indeed. Thanks, as always, for tuning in and listening. And do get in touch, as I said, at halfmeasurespodcast.com or on our social media with any comments, suggestions, or a peak performance for Kiefer Sutherland yourself. Very good. Also, a very special shout-out to our Patreon producers, Samara Whiting-King, Diana Kanawa, Trisha Brady, and Michael Chalmers. If you too would like to become a Patreon of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, bonjour, it's Daryl Dixon, and adios. Adios.